When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and Av, I gotta tell you, I'm really hurt that you didn't congratulate me on my new podcast microphone. And I'm Av Sedensky, and I want to know when's the next meeting of the Young Republicans Club. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to talk about Double A Beep Beep MCO, Season 1, Episode 7, which originally aired on November 26th, 2000. Uh, I'm paying for car insurance right now, but my car is like not allowed to leave its uh, garage. So I don't know how enthused I am about an episode all about car insurance this week, but anything as a distraction. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it's been a it's been a not great few days. No sign that it's going to get better anytime <laughs> soon. Are people um, looking for podcasts to cheer them up and distract them? Yeah, um, yeah. I just read a very distressing Twitter thread, so I'm not in the in the best of spirits. But also, oh, everything is going to be solved and cured next week. Yeah, this guy did not think next week. He's yeah. saying, you know, <laughs> a year. So I think we should get our top minds and put them in positions of power and influence. It's a crazy idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we may want to reconsider some of our uh, past decisions. <laughs> Although, honestly, I, obviously lots of bad things have been done, but this is just going to be bad no matter what. Yep, yep, true, true. But uh, hopefully we could cheer you up a little bit with a little of Curb Your Enthusiasm conversation. So uh, considering that our uh, preamble turned dark pretty quickly, let's jump right into the episode before things get any worse. <laughs> yeah, let's please. So, all right, we have Larry and Jeff walking down a busy street, and Jeff tells Larry he's buying a 57 Chevy convertible. Um, A homeless guy asks for spare change. Larry offers him his tuna sandwich, but the guy rejects it, saying he doesn't like tuna. Now, this, I think, was a common theme in Seinfeld as well, that the the homeless on the streets of New York and here in Los Angeles seem to be somewhat picky. They're not interested in Jerry's clothes, and they're not interested in Larry's tuna. Yeah, they they're yeah they don't like the uh, the, the muffins without yes, the tops. Yes, of course either. not. Yeah. Uh, now, who doesn't like tuna? Larry wonders. Yeah, it's a good question. Tuna is pretty universally beloved. Canned tuna, that is. I know some people might not like the real thing, but it's, you know who doesn't like it? It's a tuna rather sandwich? inoffensive. Yeah, hard to. Uh, uh, beggars can't be choosers, they say. But uh, again, yeah, Jerry, literally. Jerry and Larry strongly disagree with that uh, literal assessment. So Larry gets home, and Cheryl, and this is a common theme in season one, whenever Larry gets home, Cheryl always has a friend over, which is uh, not good coronavirus etiquette, but um, Cheryl's friend, Julie, is returning Sour Grapes, a movie created and directed by Larry David in 1998, starring Steven Weber, uh, which was received poorly. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's. Uh, I think that's the general yeah. consensus is that it was bad. Now, did Larry? Um, did Larry I've, I've never seen it. Seinfeld to write this movie. Oh, I hope not. Yeah, because Av, uh, have you ever seen Sour Grapes? Have you, had you ever heard of Sour Grapes? Really? Uh, I heard of it. I remember when it came out. Um, that like the story was like, oh, the guy who wrote Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld has a movie coming out. Um, but I never ended up seeing it. I think because probably everyone said it was bad. But I think the idea is a, a, a friend gives his friend his lottery ticket, and the other guy wins, and then it causes obvious uh, strife between them. No, that I think you're thinking about McMillions on HBO. Ah, uh, that could be. Yeah. I'm not. I haven't watched McMillions yet. Oh, either. okay. All right. So you didn't even get that joke. But ah, uh, uh, should we uh, watch this movie and do a podcast about it? I say why not, because what else are we doing other than chasing children around all day? Yeah. Um, so, you know. Where can one find this film? That's a good question. I could, I'll, I'll, I'll look into that. I'll get back to you on that. But, yeah, I think, I think uh, you know, it's been, this is now, I think, the second time that Sour Grapes has been referenced in the show. Yeah. And I feel like as Larry David completionists, we should check it out and do an episode on it. All right. I, I'm open to doing that. Uh, by the way, Cheryl asks Julie what she thought about it. And Larry does not like that his wife is putting her friend on the spot. She very cautiously praises it. She says it was the perfect length. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely what you want to hear. Yeah. I, I was going to introduce the podcast by saying I'm Alex Hester and I'm the perfect length, but you know, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if everyone would agree with that. Um, that's my specialty, Larry says. Uh, length and the width. What about the width? There was some good width, width in that movie as well. Um, and, then sh- and then Julie says, yeah, the movie had some fun stuff. And Larry starts saying fun stuff in a voice, which this is also sort of a common theme in season one. Cheryl... Uh, ask Larry to confirm this is indeed his Johnny Carson impression. Larry's doing a lot of Curb impression, uh, uh, Carson impression, just impersonations in general in early Curb, and it falls away in later seasons. And I kind of have a theory here that it's as if in early seasons he's still trying out stand-up bits because he's not that far removed from the 99 special. And in real life, perhaps he was wondering if Curb went away, if he'd have to return to that. Whereas in later seasons, as both Curb Larry and real life Larry become aware that because of Curb, you know, they would never have to do stand-up ever again unless they wanted to, of course, it disappears from the show. Yeah, that could be. Um, it could also just be like, you know, this is season one, and like he didn't yet know yet what people were going to like about Curb Your Enthusiasm, and he's just like kind of throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall, and would, would <laughs> eventually learn that it's like, you know, the Larry David neuroses and just like interactions with characters, and that's what people love, not the impersonations. <laughs> Although, um, he hasn't completely dropped it, uh, I believe in the most recent episode, or is it two episodes ago, we had Larry doing his Kramer impression. Yes, his Kramer made a, a debut, and yeah, he's not doing too many impressions recently, but he did j- whip out the Kramer. Kramer. Uh, what did you think about that, Kramer? It wasn't great, Bob. Yeah, it was uh, not pretty, pretty good. Um, anyway, Cheryl tells Julie that Larry's great at impersonations, and Larry jokingly accuses her of being sarcastic in her praise. And then Julie gets up to leave. She says she'll see them at the dinner party Friday night, and Cheryl notes that the caterer just canceled for personal reasons. Uh, has anyone ever canceled on you for personal reasons? Um, No. No, I don't think I've ever been given that exact phrase. Because, yeah. yeah, that's like a very weird thing to yeah. say. And it's going to become very uh, common in this episode. So <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, and, yeah, and Larry is right. He doesn't like it because, you know, that's like it just basically gives the person carte blanche. Like you're not allowed to ask. And, like, it, it could be BS, but, like, you're not even allowed to probe without being, you know, crossing the line. Yeah. Now, Larry recommends Jeff's neighbor, who's a caterer, as a backup option. And then Larry calls Jeff and leaves a voicemail asking for the caterer's number. And and then Larry tells Cheryl, Julie's left, of course. Larry says to Cheryl, you know, stop giving his Nebuch movie to her friends. She insists that Julie really liked it. Larry's sure she didn't. And Cheryl says to her, 
to, to Larry on Friday night, you'll have a chance to get to know Julie better and also her husband, Pat. Uh, then Larry complains to Cheryl about this dinner party. What is the compulsion to have people over to your house and serve them food and talk to them? This is an all-time curb line, even though, Av, you and I really violate this, like, every fucking week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I, have, I do a lot of uh, more, more lunch parties yeah. than dinner parties. Um, and, well, I think the answer is when you can't sit around and watch TV or go out, the, ne- yes. the next best thing is having people over who hopefully have kids roughly the same age as your kids to so occupy that they can entertain yours. your yeah. kids so that you like, are not driving yourself crazy all Saturday afternoon. Yeah, but if you're not observing the Sabbath and you don't have little kids to otherwise occupy, yeah, as, as Larry says, what is this compulsion to have people over to your house and serve the food to talk to them? Yeah, I remember. I remember actually when we were when we were looking for houses. Like some of the the realtors told us that like modern houses are generally not built with dining rooms anymore because like younger people just like they're like why am I buying why am I having a room in my house that I'm only going to use on Thanksgiving? <laughs> that's so like you know we'll, you know we'll we'll figure out Thanksgiving like we'll you yeah. know we'll get folding tables or something and but like why are we going to devote a room of our house to, to something that we're never going to use? Yeah, that's that's not a terrible take actually. Um, yeah. Now, so Larry and Cheryl make a bet about whether Larry will have a good time at the party, and bet bet is a loose term here. Well, okay. So I want to ask you that. So the stakes of the bet are a blowjob in the car. What what happens if Cheryl wins? Exactly. So this is a, this is not Cheryl is very bad at betting. Yeah. You, there is no upside for her. Here. Yeah. Uh, this reminded me of a little bit. I don't know if you recall a, a game from a childhood. I never played this game, but I heard about it. It's a game called Nookie Cookie. Well, there's many other names for it, but. Yeah, but you got the you got the gist. There's, yeah, um, you're saying for sure. Like, yeah, for sure, there's not a winner. You're so, saying. Yeah, it's like the 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 way you win <laughs> in Nookie Cookie is you don't have to eat the cookie, yes. <laughs> which was which was was the the default situation in your life already yeah. was that you don't have to eat. Yeah, such a well, cookie. you could say that about Russian Roulette, which is just the same game. It just yeah. so yes, yeah, exactly. Russian Roulette is another yeah. good example. Very little upside is you don't get shot in the head, which already. Well, I don't know why you're assuming that Cheryl doesn't enjoy that activity. I mean, over the course of the show, she does it from time to time, so it doesn't. Seem- yeah, well, it becomes clear I think over the course of the episode that this is not a, a bet she's looking forward to. Have to catch, well, you know. Well, well, we'll get to the end of the episode. I don't. I don't think I agree with you there. Um, now, okay. I guess the, the the alternative answer is that what she wins is that she does enjoy doing it, and so it's sort of a win win. Either I mean, I'm sure you, you. Or I don't know. I shouldn't say I'm sure, but you know, in speaking from personal experience, it's quite often where uh, we I make a bet with my wife where the terms of the bet are the same result either way, <laughs> and and occasionally my wife jokes. She says, "Well, you win either way," and I say, "Yeah, so do you." So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so it's uh, it's Larry is now sitting in Jeff's office. It's the next scene, and Jeff and him are schmoozing about the caterer and random old foods that they love. I gotta say, this this Jeff with the clean shaven and the jet black hair, he looks like a baby compared to uh, you know twenty twenty Jeff. Yeah, he hasn't aged well. Yeah. Basically, Larry David is the only guy who's aged really yeah. well in the show, which is ironic because I guess when you just like start out at rock bottom, there's only yeah. so much to go. <laughs> the only difference between Larry in 2020 and Larry in 2000 is like he has those transition lenses in season one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they look. He looks basically the same. It's crazy. Yeah. His hair is slightly longer, maybe uh, around the edges. But anyways, as Larry gets up to leave, Jeff gets all serious and says, "I have to talk to you about something. Did I do something wrong?" Larry asks confusingly, and Jeff says, "Yes, in fact, you did." You never congratulated me on my new car. Now, I have a personal story here. Uh, two members of my extended family, let's say, I will, I will avoid using names to protect the, the guilty, had this exact same interaction where one got mad at the other for not expressing enough excitement at the purchase of a new car. And the crazy thing is, 
that well before i get to this because i hope that maybe i'm not on the minority here uh, Av, you agree that this is an insane thing to be upset with somebody for <laughs> yes okay. i mean it's, it's particularly out of character for jeff yeah. okay so the crazy thing is that in this scenario when it happened in my life and i was not one of the people but doc but when dr jen and everyone else except for me was on the side of the one who got mad everyone was like yeah, yeah that was really not right to not show excitement for something that that your family member is excited for and i'm like you don't have a right to be upset about this. Your friends don't have to celebrate your accumulation of goods. This is <laughs> yeah. insanity to me. Like, as Larry says, it's not like we, having a kid. I didn't know congratulations were in order for a new car. Like, this isn't a bit. Jeff is really hurt. And, and Larry actually apologizes and congratulates Jeff, who then insists that Larry needs to drive the car. But, like, you know, I sort of joked at the top of the episode, like, you know, you didn't congratulate me on my new, on my new microphone. But according to Jeff, I'd have a right to do It's just insane to me. Very upset. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. So, you know, I'll, maybe I'll take that up with Dr. Jen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I, this is this is a, a totally ridiculous gripe to have against a friend that they yeah. didn't sufficiently congratulate. It's not even that you weren't excited. You didn't sufficiently congratulate. I'm getting mad what the hell all over again on behalf. So what happened is is the whole family piled up on this one person. And I was sort of late to the party. So I showed up and I said – not literally the party. but And I said to Jen, I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, well, so-and-so is upset because so-and-so didn't congratulate on his new car. Wasn't that a real dick move? I'm like, yeah, it is a dick move to be upset with somebody. Like, no, it's a dick move to not. Tr- it, 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 I'm all upset all over. <laughs> insane. Yeah. Completely well, sometimes, insane. well, sometimes with families, it's like it's really about like tons of other stuff. Oh, for like, sure. It's yes. just like so. There's like so much baggage, yeah. so that like they're like just like not looking yeah, at it. Normally. Exactly. Now the irony in this situation is that Larry is next driving the car, and he's legitimately enjoying it so much that he tells Jeff he sees why Jeff was upset they didn't congratulate him. So there's like a happy ending yes. here. Yeah. Which I guess is a funny term to use for Larry and being in the car in this episode. <laughs> um, although in this case, it is an unhappy ending because, um, oh, so first Larry asks Jeff how much he paid for the car. And Jeff says it's personal, which is the second is personal of the episode. And Larry is very annoyed by this. I feel like if you're close enough friends with somebody that you expect them to congratulate you on the acquisition of a car, you're also close enough friends to share with them how much you spent on the car. Yeah. And mean, and also, like, if it's if it's so obvious that this is such a big deal... Yeah then why can't you just tell him how to cost? Like, that's part of what makes yeah. this a big deal, right? Presumably, if he bought a Buick, he wasn't expecting yeah. congratulations. Like, congratulations are not in order of when you buy it, like a new yes. station wagon. By the way, another argument I said to Jen at the time, I'm like, was it a particularly unique car? She's like, no, but it's a new car. I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, any car? I mean, that, that's crazy. <laughs> but it wasn't even a purchase. A, it was like a lease. <laughs> what if it's a used car? Uh, yeah, uh, my Pinto. But, um... Yeah, so you're right. It, it is. It doesn't make sense because if Jeff spent a fortune, well, that's why he did it. Because he want, and if he got a great deal, then he wants to brag about the deal. So it is a little bit odd that he doesn't want to acknowledge the, the price. But whatever. He's a little embarrassed. It's personal. He also will never share his weight. So Jeff's not into sharing numbers. Do you trust Jeff in his books that he runs with Larry and his other clients? Because I do not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jeff is not yeah. the most uh, trustworthy How much are you charging me? It's personal. <laughs> Yeah, well, we find out later that he takes yeah. uh, he takes a cut of everything. Yes, we will. Um, so, anyways, Larry wants to turn back, but Jeff insists he drives further, um, which is obviously immediately a mistake. Larry pulls up to a stop sign, and the old double A beep beep MCO ad is on the radio. Ah, oh, are you familiar with this ad before this episode? Oh, I'm quite yeah. fam- I'm quite familiar. Um, in fact, I was it was always very confusing during childhood because there is both Amico. The gas station, yes. A-M-O-C-O, and then Amco and A-A-M-C-O, and like they're both like in the car yes. oil whatever world. Yeah. Um, so he's a lawyer. And like I, I, I don't think I realized until I was like nineteen that they were like different companies. I, I'm not even positive uh, like, I realized it until you just pointed it out. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Um, yeah, so yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely recall this radio commercial when I was a kid. Um, it would play all the time. I don't, it was, I think it was on TV also, not just on the radio. Yeah, I remember from TV. I don't really remember for the radio. And maybe they didn't put it on the radio normally for this exact reason, which is that Larry thinks the beep is coming for the car behind him, not the radio. And of course, because he's Larry, he turns around to yell at the guy for having the temerity to having beeped at him, which of course he didn't do. Um, and then the guy he says to Larry, "I didn't honk," which is true. And then he says to Larry, "You're an asshole," which is also true. <laughs> Yeah, this guy's not wrong. <laughs> he's, he's correct about everything. Um, then Larry yells back at him, fuck you, which is totally uncalled for because, again, Larry is an asshole. Um, and this is, of course, a big mistake because uh, the guy reacts by rear-ending the car and uh, Jeff's brand new fully restored 1957 Chevy convertible is uh, badly damaged. <laughs> yes. And the guy drives. Yes, and then the guy does a hit and run and um, they can't catch the license plate. All Larry remembers is that it was 4Y something. Uh, yeah, that's not yeah. going to yeah. be Yeah, Now, uh, we've talked about the seeming serendipity each week between the Curb episode we're discussing on that week's podcast and the story in the episode on Curb that aired in real life the week that we recorded in season 10. This week is no different because the very title of the episode is focused on people's overreaction to car horns in week 10, and that's exactly what happened here. <laughs> so... Yeah, something's going on. Yeah. I know they always talk about maybe there's like a, a glitch in the simulation. So, I, you know, you could say either the glitch in the simulation is causing a uh, global yeah. pandemic or something funny is going on with season one and season episode of Curve while yeah. we do podcasts. I like God saying, all right, we're going to go with Earth 17 this time. Uh, let me fast forward to 2020. The downside is Donald Trump is president. And then there's a global pandemic that he uh, is partially responsible for not curbing early on in the United States. On the positive side, these two random jackasses are going to make a pot. Like, is that really how it's working? Anyway, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's you know, incremental changes. Yes. Um, yeah, take, take what you can get. Uh, Larry and Jeff go to survey the damage to the car. And Jeff starts yelling at Larry, it was the commercial! And as they drive on, there's a loud thumping in the car. So uh, bad times between Larry and Jeff here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not, not things are not going yeah. well. Uh, fast forward, it's Friday night, Shabbos dinner party. Larry is bored to death by Julie and her boring husband, Pat. He then meets Allison and Kevin, who are equally boring. Basically, as Larry will later point out, his wife introduced every single Gentile that they've ever known or they've ever met. And none of Larry's friends are here. There are no Jews here. Yeah, I, I read that I, that this is the first episode where Cheryl's hair becomes like noticeably blonde. Because it wasn't until this episode that they had decided that she wasn't going to be Jewish. Ah, interesting. Uh, so like they kept her as like having dark hair until now, and then they're like, "Nope, we're going to make her gentile. Let's let's blonde up that hair." No, a that's bit. awesome because we actually discussed in the early episode that her hair was darker. So I didn't realize yeah. it was actually that's very interesting. However, no matter how much of a gentile Cheryl is, and even if she would be friends with with Pat and Julie and Allison and Kevin, the next character we meet, Mike Duffy. I find it very hard to understand how he would become friends with Cheryl. So he, first of all, the actor is he's a great that guy. He played the Super on Friends. He played yeah. Louis C.K.'s uh, closest buddy on Lucky Louie, the HBO show. And he played Rudy from Rudy's Used Clothes Shop, Clothing Shop on Seinfeld. But the, my issue is he's like a big guy with a mustache, a very strong Chicago accent. He belongs in certain circles, but Friends with Cheryl David is not one of them. Like, I just don't understand. We will soon find out that he's a mechanic. He owns an AMCO store and like, or AAMCO, whatever you're supposed to call it. Larry acknowledges that he's never even met him before. His wife knows Cheryl somehow. By the way, uh, how often do you meet someone at a dinner party you are hosting for the first time ever at that dinner party? <laughs> I dream I never know anyone at the party. And I'm always the host. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it must be just, you know, maybe Cheryl knows her through like the environmental group that she's part of or something like that. And just her husband's tagging along because he, he's like very starstruck. So it's like he's kind of a fish out of water for sure. Um, good uh, reference there. So the first thing he says, you're talking about him being starstruck, is he asks Jerry, 
He asks Larry if he gets money from Seinfeld syndications. So, yeah, he's clearly not a Hollywood expert. He says, it would be like if Amco paid me for transmissions I changed six years ago. Um, Again, just very strict. So, Larry, I think, rightfully assumes, much like me at the time, like, this has got to this has got to be an actor putting on an act because Cheryl's not from Chicago. I'm doubt I doubt that Cheryl would become friends with her Amco guy. And so by the fact that this guy's mentioning Amco, it must be that this is some actor friends of Cheryl's who's doing a bit and is trying to sort of make a joke about my accent I just had uh, in Jeff's car. But it turns out that Cheryl is friends with the Amco guy because he is telling the truth and it is not a bit. And so Larry goes on to tell Mike Duffy the whole story, but it turns out that not only is he a mechanic and his dad owned a 57 Chevy, and he can personally take that car apart and fix it back up. So great, great news for Larry. Mike and Larry, fast friends. Mike even tells his wife, I like this guy, as they walk into the dining room together. But that's when this Mike starts to make some very strange decisions. Yeah, I mean, you don't sit in the host's chair. Well, so yeah. so he, but he's, he, Well, first he says to Larry he's doing it for back support. But then he's he, first. Then he starts like loudly and weirdly complimenting everything: the table, the china, the chairs. They're very solid. He says. Then he speaks to the crowd from the head of the table as if he's the master of the house, and then he insists that everyone prays. <laughs> this is very unusual behavior. And I just can't tell. Like, is he doing shtick? Is he being serious? Like, it's a very uh, particular Catholic style of prayer. Larry is quite taken aback. Um, I will note that in a future season of the show, it is a Friday night dinner party, but this time it's the Jews, Marty Funkhauser, who has embraced his religious tradition. He insists uh, while wearing yarmulke to uh, recite the Jewish blessings over the wine in the challah. So this will happen to Larry again in the future. Yeah, Larry just wants to mind his own business and not yeah. participate in anyone's yes, religion. exactly. Um, did you ever see uh, what was – I think it was called Searching for, for Comedy in the Muslim World? No, it's not. So it was shortly after 9-11. I think it's on Netflix. You can see it. But actually, you know what? I think I'm mixing up two different documentaries. I think that's a documentary about searching for comedy in the Muslim world based on the title. I'm confusing it with another documentary about searching for why Jews are so heavily in comedy. And in the episode, in in the documentary, the guy who makes it, who is a comedian, not nearly at the level of Larry David, he's trying to get Larry David on the movie. But Larry David won't agree to be on his movie. But Larry David does take a phone call from him. So this guy records himself in a hotel room talking to Larry David on the phone, asking Larry David to be in the movie, and Larry David saying no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Larry David not interested. And basically because he says he's not interested in playing up the Jew thing. Although th- that was a few years ago because he's become much Jewier in recent years. Uh, certainly his TV show has been. Anyways, after the prayers and an awkward toast from Mike, um, Mike then starts telling Larry how much more he liked Friends than Seinfeld. Which, again, is kind of meta because the actor, Mike Haggerty, his role on Friends was much bigger uh, than his... What was he on? He was Rudy in two different episodes of Seinfeld? I don't remember if it was one or two. Yeah, uh, yeah, not not that, not as frequent as when he was the super uh, in Friends. Anyways, Larry so hates this conversation that he willingly turns to the other side to talk to boring Pat. That's how desperate he is to get away from Mike Duffy. <laughs> so, did, uh, did Larry enjoy this dinner party? No, he did not. It's nighttime. Oh, certainly yes. not. He's in, his, he's in his bedroom with Cheryl. And he says, uh, what does he say to Cheryl? Hey. When's the next meeting of the Young Republicans Club? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, does Larry mean to imply by the statement that he enjoyed dinner? <laughs> I do not believe so. <laughs> I don't believe so. Yeah, um, yeah he, he wants some more Jews yeah. next time. Some Cones, some Bernstein, some Goldsteins, a Schwartz. Um, and, and really, he gets his way because other than when Cheryl's parents are in town, this is, I would say, the last all-Gentile meal in the history of Curb. Yeah, that's probably right. It really leads into the Jewishness from here on. Yeah, um, Larry and Cheryl complained about Mike having taken Larry's seat and then about the grace, which Cheryl did not mind as much. Larry asked Cheryl how to cross himself. 
And and Cheryl is genuinely surprised that Larry didn't have a good time, which is strange. But Larry reminds her that he's now won a bet. Uh, but again, it's it's a uh, it's a bet that he doesn't get to cash in on right away, as we will discover. It's the next morning, and Larry asks Cheryl if they can go back to Colgate. There's no taste to this new Indian toothpaste. <laughs> um, they have a message from a call at 7:32 earlier this morning. Again, it's a Saturday morning. It was Mike Duffy saying, "Call me at the office at 12:30." He needs to talk to Larry about something he was uncomfortable with last night's dinner. Yeah, so this made me think immediately, and I, I was I was surprised it didn't come up since we just came from the most recent episode. What's the cutoff the other direction? Meaning, what time is it too early to call someone? Yeah, seven thirty-two. I think on a Saturday morning. I, yeah, yeah, that's really early. I think it's uh, on a on a weekend. I think it's like nine o'clock. Well, I would say for a person you're not close, like fam, like if a stranger, somebody like this relationship is nine o'clock any day of the week. I would say. Yeah, well, on the, during the week, then you're going to miss them because they're going to be gone to work already. We're talking about pre-cell phones. Yeah, um, but apart from everything else insane about this, why does he call at 7.30 when his specific message says, I cannot speak to you for five hours? <laughs> yeah. Why not wait till well, maybe to if make he, the call? If he call if, maybe if he caught him at that exact moment, they're good, but he's yeah, basically yeah. telling him, don't call he's me back anytime. now so. and then not again for five hours. Anyways, um, we learn that a presumed call – we learn from Cheryl and Larry trying to figure out why is he upset – that the presumed cause of him being upset is not Larry's action, but Cheryl. Uh, but of course, Cheryl will dump it on Larry anyways, which perpetuates my she- that my theory that Cheryl is the villain of the show, not Larry. Um, the show is not about Larry David anti-hero, but Cheryl David anti-heroine. A brilliant, devious woman who destroys Larry's life and then will go on to destroy Ted Danson's life. <laughs> anyway, last night she remarked to Allison um, about her boring friend that how they have a house in Martha's Vineyard, but Larry doesn't like anyone staying there. To quote Akiva, Av, this is a zeroth world problem. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, while Cheryl said this, she saw Maggie behind her making a face. And Maggie and Mike are about to go to Martha's Vineyard. And so Cheryl thinks that Maggie thought that this was a subtle way of the Davids letting the Duffies know not to ask, which it wasn't. But it is true that Larry doesn't want them staying there, even if Mike fixes Jeff's car. But Cheryl does not give a shit about any of this. She leaves Larry to clean up the mess that she has made. Yeah, Larry, I think, specifically says if it's between fixing Jeff's car and staying at the guest house, Jeff's out of luck. Yeah. But why is Cheryl dumping on Larry? Like, Larry sh- shouldn't have to fix this. Cheryl's the one who caused the problem. Um, yeah, according to what they think, which is, again, this is now like probably the third time where Larry and Cheryl think they understand why someone's mad at them, and they've always been wrong. Over-apologizing. Or not mad, but yeah. Uh, speaking of messes that need to be cleaned up, by the way, it's uh, Larry and Cheryl then discover that there is no mess to clean up because the caterer took home all the leftovers of the food that Larry and Cheryl paid for the day before. And again, insanely, Cheryl blames Larry for this. So just to recap, Cheryl was so bad at finding a caterer who could even show up without making up a vague sort of personal reasons that Larry stepped in at the last minute, found a caterer through Jeff, the caterer put on a dinner that everyone presumably enjoyed, and then Except ha- for him. Yeah, and then happened to weirdly take the leftovers home. And Larry is now pissed at – Cheryl is now pissed at Larry for having, quote, listened to Jeff for something, which she wanted never to do. <laughs> she listened to Jeff. First of all, she agreed to it also. If she thinks it failed, she should be mad at herself. I mean, it just – Cheryl is so evil here. <laughs> Cheryl's not great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm having a, I'm having a newfound uh, respect for your yeah. take on Cheryl. And then, just to get worse, she then calls the caterer and yells at them about how she's going to cancel the check if they don't get the leftovers back. But then she volunteers Larry to drive over and pick up the food. Why is that his <laughs> obligation? It's, 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 if, first of all, the caterer should bring it back, obviously. But if anybody's going to drive over, it should be Cheryl. Like, why does Larry have to clean up all of Cheryl's problems? 
Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're making some good points. Yeah. Uh, I think Larry's the one who should have ended up with uh, Ted Danson. Anyways, uh, Larry goes over to this person's house, and this caterer, who is going to be a possible nominee for worst person, unless it's Cheryl, explains that not everything survived the trip here, to which Larry says, where are you coming from, Sudan? <laughs> which uh, was a very enjoyable line to me. Uh, Larry asks where the chicken is. There's no chicken. And she suddenly finds a tray of chicken in the fridge, but she says she donated the rest to a homeless mission. <laughs> yes, this uh, this reminds me of a. Uh, I don't know if you remember this story. We had we when we were in uh, Yeshiv University together, we were we lived on the same floor, and we had a couple other friends who lived together with us, Harold and Uri. Mm-hmm. And Harold once got like it's like several trays of food from like an event from his family, and we all like got to enjoy some for dinner, and he we were very excited. He's like, yeah, like I still have some more. We can have this for like two or three days. And our friend Uri said, well, why don't we just take it downstairs to the lounge? A lot of people would probably be interested in it. <laughs> you remember this? No, but what's wrong with you, Uri? <laughs> yeah, and we're all like, like, no. Like, I mean, I mean, if like Harold wants to do that, I guess. Like, it's his food. Uh, but Harold's like, no, of course not. Like, no, it's like for us five and, you know, whoever, however long we have it, we'll, we'll, we'll have it. Well, if we probably stole so some like, okay, of it or something like that. So we, so, we put, so we put it in the fridge and we all go downstairs to like watch like it was like Sunday Night Football or whatever. There was some game on that we all wanted to watch uh, in the lounge down there and after like 15 minutes lo and behold to quote this week's episode of curb <laughs> in walks uri carrying the trays of food Wait, how do I to not make this? available to everyone in the lounge <laughs> how do i not remember this that's amazing i don't know maybe I mean, it could have been uh after you transferred no, but, maybe it wasn't there. and we were all like uh, we were all like what and like and he took credit for it too because it was like oh he was the one that he took credit for food. the big salad disgraceful yeah, exactly Uri. So it's like, well, who are you, who's you? Oh, you're yeah. giving charity of somebody yeah. else's stuff? Like, yeah. what the hell's going on with this caterer? Yeah, this caterer is insane. Um, Uri Burger, though, even worse, because he was told not to explicitly. <laughs> uh, how do I not know that story? That's great. Anyways, um, while Larry is talking to this caterer with her insane lies, her assistant walks in and blabs that she has just dropped off the food at Jeff's. So Larry has discovered that Jeff is somehow involved with this theft. Now, it's never exactly made clear what happened. Did Jeff... When he hooked Larry up with the caterer, then call the caterer and say, by the way, if there's any leftovers, bring it to my house at the end of the night. Is that what we're led to believe? Yeah, it's very it's very confusing. Um, yeah, I don't know why the caterer would. I guess like that's Jeff's 10 percent commission is he gets 10 percent of all then, the leftovers. The, the from caterer every... is so committed to this that she will go to the extent of lying to her customer and pissing off a customer. It's, yeah, it doesn't. It's, it doesn't she make would sense. Just yeah, say, there's definitely hey, a listen, plot I'm sorry. You know, Jeff asked for it. I thought or she'd say, I thought this was your agreement with Jeff. Like she has no. You know, I don't know. Very strange. Um, anyways, Larry goes to Jeff's house where he somehow gains entry without anyone knowing. And he surprise attacks Jeff in the kitchen. Now, in the previous episode, he did the same because Susie was so mad at Jeff for the theft from the um, child that they had sponsored. But apparently the door was open. So do they just never shut their front door in this house? Yeah, apparently it's they have an open door policy. You'd think after everything was stolen, they would uh, start locking the front door. But anyway, Um, Larry mentions to Jeff, there might be a problem with the Amco guy. And Jeff wordly says, what did you do? It's not Larry. It's Cheryl. You should say, what did Cheryl do? Okay, Jeff. (laughs) Anyways, uh, Larry responds in a way that Av hates. He says, well, last night my wife. And um, yeah, so he tells Jeff what happened. Jeff and Larry go to Amco to check on the car. Mike is friendly. He says he can fix it. He mixes in some awful shtick. Uh, He then tells Jeff he needs to speak to Larry about something of a personal nature. So this is our third uh, personal of the episode. And as Mike winds up in his talk, Larry apologizes preemptively, which you should never do. Again, he says, 
he apologizes for what his wife said. This, I would say, is probably even a weirder place to say my wife, since he's talking to someone who only knows him through their wife, like their wives are friends. Yeah, no, I, it's always weird to say yeah. my wife unless the person doesn't know your but wife. especially true, if you are talking to your wife's female friend's husband who you don't really know, it'd be even weirder to say my wife because she's like, yeah, Rachel, the person who, who is the reason that we're here right now. So, yes, exactly, carry on. yeah. Anyways, of course, uh, Larry pre-apologizes for the wrong thing. It turns out Mike was just trying to apologize for having taken Larry's seat at dinner. But now he's all worked up and offended by what he thinks is Larry's implication that he, that they would have wanted to impose on Larry at Martha's Vineyard. He overreacts in an insane way. Rejects it's crazy. Yeah, it's similar to the the woman you know in the Porno Gill episode. He rejects Larry's request to go clamming together this summer. He's so pissed off. And we cut to Jeff and Larry driving a very still broken '57 Chevy. So. This whole escalation from from Mike Duffy, the whole Mike Duffy like arc in this episode, very very strange. Yeah, it's very out of place. He's a, you know they they went for something with this like quirky character, but I think it doesn't really quite work. It's just the collection of quirks are very strange and incongruent with one another. I do like Larry driving the convertible though, because as I mentioned earlier in this episode, you get to see those transition lenses. Yeah, and uh, we saw Larry driving a, a very fancy car, season ten, all as well. Oh yes, that's that's another one. <laughs> Wait, was that this week? Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. What's yeah, it's here? it's it's really crazy. Yeah. Um yeah, how often does Larry drive a very nice car? His car. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Long, but... Anyways, uh Larry's now walking on the sidewalk holding the trays of food he presumably got for the caterer. Where is he walking to here? Where is he walking to? It's a good question. I yeah, think he... I, I think that building is Jeff's office, but why would he be taking the food on foot from his car to Jeff's office? Like Jeff stealing the food was the problem. <laughs> Yeah, there's, yeah, you're pointing out some good stuff. Not everything adds up here. Yeah. Anyways, he passes the homeless guy from the beginning of the episode who confirms that the caterer lied about delivering the leftovers of the homeless mission because that mission only serves soup and sometimes peanut butter. <laughs> that, that's the end of that episode, uh, that scene. And then we have the last scene, which is Larry and Cheryl driving home from a very enjoyable dinner. And Larry reminds Cheryl she lost a bet and she begins to pay back. And the episode ends. Uh, this ending, this is not a curb ending. Like, curb no. does not end with victories for Larry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not usually <laughs> – if every episode of Curb ended this way, it would be a very different show. As, as this happens, I assume, like, not having seen this episode in a long time, I thought, oh, someone's about to rear-end them. But no, it's just happy ending for Larry. Right. Uh, you, thought, it, yeah. you thought it would be like the Amico commercial would come on again or something like that. Something, yeah. I'm also a little bit surprised. Cheryl seems like a rather cautious person. And the fellatio while driving is always a little risky because it's uh you know it can be hard to concentrate. You gotta back your seat up further. It's just it's not it's not an it's not it's not the ideal uh, safest way to drive. Let's leave it. It's not the most safe. No, (laughs) I don't remember them recommending it. A driver said, but um anyhow, so um a very strange episode overall. I think this is uh on the weaker side. Um, I don't know if it's the the worst episode of the season. I don't. I didn't look back at my other ratings, but overall, I'm going to give this two pretties, pretty pretty good. Um, there's a few good jokes, but you know, you you pointed out a lot of the weirdness, um, a lot of the weird overreactions, which you know we we appreciate on Curb, but they need to be somewhat grounded in logic. Yeah, I definitely laughed quite a few times in this episode, but it's not only is it the my least favorite episode of this season, but spoiler alert, at least when I made my rankings a couple of years ago. It was my least favorite episode of the first two seasons altogether, which is all I had uh, done through that point in my ranking. Interesting. It's not an episode that anyone loves. I'm trying to look. It's not on any... The lists that are not complete lists, it's not on any of them. And then the complete lists, the highest it has on anybody's list is 51. So everybody has it as a you know bottom 20 episode, pretty much. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that sounds right to me. 
Yeah. Who is the what, what are the order? I forget how we do this. We generally do first the uh, the come with guy. Oh, okay. We, so yeah, let's do, do that. Person. Um, and uh, just as, this is a, a welcome opportunity just to mention, you know, both the come with guy and the worst person. These are uh, things that we now do every episode that were suggested by listeners. So if you have a suggestion, just send it to us and we'll probably do it. Cause, yeah. You know, we're, our standards are not that high for sure. Yes, shit. why not? Oh, and b- before we do that, by the way, I forgot to give my ranking. I am going to give it. You gave it two, which you've done twice before, but you've never given worse than that. I'm going to give my lowest yet ranking pretty, pretty good. Just one and a half for me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's it's yeah. not a strong episode. For the come with guy, I, I think there's not really a lot of great um, options here. So I think just kind of by default, it goes to Amco guy, just because like he kind of at least the, the scenes that he's in, he like really stands out and, and leaves an impression, even if his character is doesn't really quite work. Yeah. You know, I've been spending all episode talking about how evil Cheryl is. But considering how she ends the episode, I would say that she's the best come with girl you could possibly have. Like, who better to have in the car with you? Yeah, literally. <laughs> Cheryl does redeem herself a little bit with the way she ends the episode. But I think that, yeah, she has uh, too much dumping on Larry. I guess you're right. By default, it's going to be Mike Duffy. But uh, not a big fan of Mike Duffy. Yeah, not a fan of me there. But I think he's just, you know, he's the only one that really leaves an impression in this episode f- through his performance. All right. And then who's the worst person? I think the worst person is definitely the caterer. One of the, I think one of the worst people we've seen on the show so far. I don't think she quite beats Dean from last week, but she's just truly awful. Just like completely unprofessional, doesn't seem to understand basic components of her job, which is that people are purchasing food from you and they get to keep the food. And then it's just like, even when like she gets called out on it, like she treats them like they're the ones that are in the wrong and like she's like she's being inconvenienced it's like she's totally over the top ridiculous yeah and also i think there's just part of the problem is there's such a flaw in the story because it's not clear again is she doing this is she covering for jeff because if so why would she be acting so belligerent towards larry it it doesn't really make sense so there's sort of a flaw there and i'm not sure if it's the actress's fault if she even knew what she was supposed to be doing if she was then uh you know it wasn't conveyed correctly so yeah that's fair and, and so who but is the title holder still neighbor dean i think so I think so. I think he's still worse because he's just like so devious. Like Mike Mike Duffy, I think he's just like a little off maybe and like just like doesn't really like understand the situations each time and like, you know, is a little bit, you know, his his reactions are not right. But like Dean is evil. Yes, true. Dean did not get an invite to the dinner party, by the way. Yeah, certainly not. Yeah, I mean, he's like Dean is like really manipulative and like taking advantage and just like basically stealing money from his neighbor from, and then like t- doesn't even give him the permission at the end for the wire. So like just totally screws him over. Like several times in that episode. Now let's talk for a second about the celebrity cameos. You know, these are Cheryl's friends, so not a uh, a crowd with lots of uh, celebrities today. So nobody playing themselves. Does Mike Haggerty? He's a that guy. Does he count as an actor playing uh, a character or not really? Yeah, I think so. But I think he's he's definitely less famous than uh, the woman from Big Factory, Nia, whatever her name was. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think he's still well short of her. I didn't know this guy's name until I Google it. But you definitely recognize his face. Yeah. No, he's he's a legitimate actor. You know, he's in a lot of stuff. But, you know, he's he's certainly not going to be playing himself. (laughs) Yeah. Although, but it's a little meta because he talks all about Seinfeld and how he likes friends more. Right. Uh, So and I assume that was done intentionally. Yeah, and of course we also get the return of Clement Blake as the homeless man. Now this is a uh, a prequel to the episode from a few weeks ago with the bracelet, where we saw him again, and he, he thanks Larry for the chicken that he received four episodes later. Oh, oh, oh! So that's oh, that's what you were explaining. That they were out of order. 
Yeah, so that this is the episode where he gives oh, yeah. him the chi- the chicken Lorange well, that he that he references in the in that other episode. Yeah, but I like how he asks the the homeless guy like, "Did they ever serve you know chicken Lorange and uh, was tuna tartare?" <laughs> yeah, uh, the, Larry, the Larry a real man of the people there. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to read any listener mail? Oh yeah. <laughs> We're all over the place here. I'm not editing any of this out, by the way. Listeners that's are just all gonna, Yeah, that's all it's good. A, you, get, you, you get what you pay for, yeah, listeners. Yeah, exactly. This is the self isolation episode. So, and, yeah. and by the way, we might uh, we might be pumping out extra episodes with random Kerr movies. Not even Kerr movies. Larry David movies. Larry David directed yeah. movies. Yeah, so. who knows? We're gonna we're gonna see how uh, how bleak this all gets and what yeah. we can come up with. Maybe 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 we should have like a, a checklist or like a, a, a list or, or maybe do you have that a table of contents for what we do on these episodes? A table of contents? I can't even think anymore. My brain is addled. You know, do you All have right. a list of uh, our bits in the sequence of the way oh, that we Oh, yeah. I, ha- I have like a skeleton of like oh, the different okay. categories. Maybe you should also, be the new host. <laughs> yeah. Or, or at least maybe I should share that with you. That would be a yeah. smart thing to do. That could also yeah, put it yeah. on our document. All right. So let's get to the reader mail. Sorry, readers. All right. First email is from A.B. Sutton going back on last week. He says he agrees with Dr. Jen that he doesn't feel strongly about it, but he generally won't text anyone even after 10 p.m. He still uses the cutoff even in this era. But not for uh, group chats. I know he doesn't because I'm in. The yeah, room. yeah. Seriously, I'm, I'm in. I'm in many, many group chats with you, AB. Um, you're the you're the administrator of almost all of them, <laughs> so that you could uh, rule with an iron fist. I'm surprised and he doesn't cap it. Yeah, and he, lock he, it he, at right, 10 p.m. He, yeah, yeah, he should kick people out for texting after yeah. 10 p.m. Um, no, but he can even lock it so no one can send the messages but the administrator. He should send a nightly curfew reminder. <laughs> yeah. Um, he says that he thinks the worst person we've seen so far was the golf ball guy from Porto Gill because he because he really like screws him over the most by leaving him out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. Uh, yeah, I mean he's really bad that guy. That's true. Yeah, it's valid. Uh, but he agrees. But actually, that, but then he says, "Oh, so, sorry, I misread." He was disagreeing that. The, the worst person in Porno Gill was not the old lady. It was the golf oh, guy. guy. Oh, okay. But he still agrees that Dean is the worst person overall so Got far. Okay. And he, he expects that he will hold the Bednarch belt for a long time. Uh, he also got very frustrated with us that we kept pronouncing the S in Julia Louis-Dreyfus's name. Okay, sorry. Um, and he, he, he wonders why we call ourselves Seinfeld fans. I always maintain I'm not a big Seinfeld fan because I've only seen the series like 25 times. So yeah. like, uh, <laughs> next, you know, the next to some of you guys, I, I just don't really know the show that well. Yeah, I realized that when we did our on 32 fans, when we did the, the bracket of characters. That people said, like, I watch every Seinfeld episode. I don't know who the hell half these people are. Like, they were in yeah. two episodes. Like, and it's not even like it was, like, a famous person in two episodes. Yes. So, also, yeah. let's re- let's reflect. This show has not been on the air in over 20 years. <laughs> yes, but it's on TV every night. So That's true. All right. Next email comes. I think this is a first-time email from Bob Savage. He writes, Bob here from Vancouver, Canada. My intro to Curb was the car salesman from season two back in 2002 when a channel called Showtime reread the episodes of 10, on 10 p.m. Friday nights. Being a massive Seinfeld fan, I was curious to see what, what the show was about, having heard little about it prior to my first viewing. Every Friday, I watched all of season two and quickly went through and bought season one on DVD. I'm glad I started with season two because I may have given up after watching the first few episodes of season one, not being the best examples of what the show would eventually become. Really enjoying the podcast. Some audio balances could help. I don't know what that means. That's probably a technical thing. He's basically he's saying our podcast doesn't sound good. <laughs> well, well, I mean, I, to... I didn't have my microphone for the last few weeks, and now we're recording. You know, not in our normal places. So unfortunately, ah, okay. That's, that's so he says one of you one of you seems to speak louder than the other. That could be true. Oh. Also, is it possible to play audio clips from the show? Yeah, I guess we could try that. Why not? 
Um, yeah, that could be fun. We could we could start doing that, I guess. Yeah. Um, until we get big enough that we get shut down for copyright. I will say I I tried a couple of clips from this week's episode. I didn't want to ha- that. I ended up reading out it when I, we were like recapping the episode. I actually tried to find those online, and I could find like the quotes and like list of quotes, but I couldn't find the video of them. Whereas in Seinfeld, every single line of Seinfeld right. you can find as a pre-clip cut. Um, now I think probably in later seasons it'll become easier to find stuff. Yeah, and I could have like gone and like found it from recorded the whole episode and then cut it, but it, w- it was too much work. So sorry. yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're not going to do that much work. Bob, we're, we're, we're working on it. As, as, a key, as I've said, we uh, sorry. <laughs> as I've said, you get what you pay for. At this yeah, point. yeah, you pay for. Yeah. Um, he uh, he congratulated us on recreating Susie's rant from the episode The Wire. You didn't miss one fuck or motherfucker. That's right. We we like to earn our explicit content label. <laughs> Um, you know, we're not going to put up a frivolous yeah. explicit contact for a single fuck. Yeah. Um, and then he just quickly gives us our ratings. Uh, Pants Tent 2, Ted and Mary 1.5, Porno Gill 2.5, The Bracelet 3, Interior Decorator 3, The Wire 3.5, and, and Amco 3. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Um, that was an excellent so yeah. email. Yeah, very A little surprised Thanks. how much he likes Amco, but... Yeah. Um, well, welcome along, Bob. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you in future episodes. Next email from Claire Hendrickson Jones. This episode reminded me that every so often I'll see a post online calling for the banning of car horn or skidding noises as used in commercials. While I agree they're quite annoying, does anybody still listen to the radio anymore? I feel like obnoxious radio commercials in general are much less of a presence in our lives than they used to be. Yeah, but you said you get obnoxious podcast commercials, so I don't. You know, there could be an Amco commercial on podcasts. Yeah, I, I, I think what Claire wants is every commercial on the radio to be look outside. Please don't drive over anybody. Yeah, that would be that would be safer. Yes. Um, Also, if you haven't mentioned it already, it's interesting and perhaps a bit self-congratulatory that the Amco guy played by Mike Haggerty is such a big fan of both Seinfeld and Friends, considering that he appeared on both of those shows. Yes, that was something that we mentioned. Thank you, Claire, for the email. Uh, Second to last email from Amir. He writes, once Larry learns about the personal reasons excuse, shouldn't his next move to be to use the excuse as much as possible whenever he wants to get out of things? It's a hall pass. Yeah, that's true. We should yeah, see surprising. Larry use it. That's like, that's like a typical thing that we, I think we, we see a lot in Curb where yeah. Larry like learns about like some social phenomenon or trick and then tries to use it to his advantage. And of course, he uses it incorrectly or it blows up in his face anyway. Um Next, he writes, we see a short storyline here about Cheryl giving Larry a blowjob in the car, but there's a whole episode in season seven called Vehicular Fellatio, where this is the main topic. Larry makes a big deal of Richard, Dr. Trundle, and Jeff all getting car blowjobs, but he was way ahead of the curve. Well, obviously, he doesn't uh, He doesn't remember that because yeah. that was uh, six seasons and 17 years earlier. Which I have to say time. is surprising because, you know, it, it's not a frequent – I feel like it's the kind of thing you remember because it doesn't happen that frequently. <laughs> Especially yeah. at, at a certain age. So yeah, um, he also sent us a uh, a screenshot of the leftovers that Jeff was eating and points out that it looks very unappetizing. Which I agree, it's, <laughs> it, it doesn't look great. Um, also, it's like it's it's the morning, right? When he comes over. Yes, it's a so, Saturday morning. It's pretty yeah, early so, Saturday morning, and so that's like really early to be eating like that, like that plate of like chicken, like that. I feel like like a chicken lorange. Like you're not eating that for breakfast, right? I mean, one wouldn't think so, but then again, one wouldn't think the caterer would have stolen the food in the first place. So the apple turnovers make make much more sense, obviously, as a Saturday morning item to eat. Yes, exactly. All right, uh, last email from Olin Allen. 
He writes, ah, okay. So he's going to he's gonna talk about an email from last week. So he's going to refer back to George Walter's email from last week. Uh, he really piqued my interest as a lifelong fan of British comedy. Welcome aboard, George. Hope you keep enjoying the show and the pod. I found his point about the similarities with Alan Partridge quite illuminating and agree on some character similarities. I think the style of the show a couple years before Curb could possibly have been an influence on it as well. I'm not quite yet ready to do a full bracket of British characters that are similar to Larry, but one other in particular <laughs> comes to mind. Victor Meldrew from One Foot in the Grave, a recent retiree who's portrayed as extremely irritable and cranky, but is so often in the right. With a brooding wife who gets annoyed with the situation he finds himself in, the character show is the basis for the show Cosby, starring a certain someone, he who shall not be named. <laughs> no one can figure out who we're talking about. Um, another similar character would have been Rick Spleen from Lead Balloon. Obviously, I have no idea who any of these characters are. I assume you don't either, Alex. Yeah, I will say, Olin, and, and any listener, if you're going to send in these recommendations, which we appreciate, include like a link on YouTube or whatever to like sort of a, an example of what you're thinking of, and then it'll help us. And we can even play those on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, we can definitely do that next time. Um, this was pretty much an homage if being kind to Curb or a ripoff of being less kind while Partridge and Victor Mildrew predate Curb. All right, on to this episode. He gives the star of the week to Mike. He agreed with us. I think I particularly loved him mentioning what a great show Friends was at the dinner, as that would have been the show I pr- primarily recognized him from. It was a nice in-joke delivered quite naturally in character as well. A contender for a-hole of the week, but beaten out by the below. Asshole of the week is the guy who rammed into Jeff's car. Don't properly see him or anything, and it isn't really a character, but it's hard to beat such an over and vile reaction. Um, I mean, I guess we, I mean, we were like more on the side of this guy until he you know, hits and runs like that's obviously much worse than anything Larry does to him. You can't drive away from an accident like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I feel like this guy is not even enough of a character to uh, to merit this award. But, yeah. And, and the caterer is also really, really bad. Yeah. And there's and also I think we're projecting like there's a lot of the people who were nominating as worst are the kind of people who would probably do a hit and run if put in that circumstance. Yeah. Overall, a good episode, and the show certainly seems to be getting into the flow. Like last week, I liked a variety of awkward interactions. It's not always the stereotypical Larry getting work, worked up and getting into a shouting match. The way he played off both Mike and Jeff with the awkwardness and realization of how he messed up was very good. There was some very good just facial and posture acting to display the moods in this episode. Uh, a strong three and a half. Pretty, pretty, pretty goods for me. I go down, but P.S. I go down, but maybe half inch above the belly button when blessing myself. <laughs> very good. Thanks a lot, Olin, as always. Um, anyone who isn't following along with the podcast, you Olin, want to write in. Oh, and by the way, the perfect length when crossing himself. Exactly right. Length. That's yeah. right. Write into us at prettygoodcurbpod at gmail.com. Uh, you won't probably remember what I just said, so we will put it into the body of the, the show notes for you to just click and send us an email. Um, and of course, when, as always, go and rate us on Apple stores. Give us five stars. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on the podcast this week. We know that a lot of the news in the real world is not so great right now, but we hope that at the very least, the last 45 minutes were for you. Pretty, 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 pretty good.